0: In a world of EMS podcasters, EMS Office Hours is the only live podcast bringing you the latest topics and opinions in EMS. Turn down your scanner and turn up your speakers as we join Jim Hoffman and Josh Knapp on their latest EMS podcasting journey.
1: Good morning. Welcome to EMS Office Hours. I am Jim Hoffman. I'm Josh Knapp. And I'm Dave Brenner. I uh, want to welcome anyone who's popping in here. We shall see a few minutes to get some, uh, some uh, eager EMS people to jump in at 10 o'clock in the morning. This is usually a little earlier than what we normally get on here. But I know Dave and I prefer the early time. Sure. Right, right.
2: And I'm, yeah. uh, uh, I'm a night owl.
0: And the uh, other thing the we person. have we have to remember it's seven o'clock in the morning in California. Well,
2: I was just you know yeah, and, and it's seven o'clock in the morning. So in California they're just logging into whatever nine one one terminals they have. In New York, yeah. in New York they've they got their first call. Probably wolfed down a, a ham and cheese uh, mm-hmm. on a roll with a, a ham and cheese and egg on a roll and um fourth cup of coffee fourth cup i I was gonna say finish their first cup of coffee i said
0: on their fourth yeah Uh, from seven to ten yeah i maybe yeah and our international folks in uh in iceland and uh greenland and uh on the continent they're uh they're midday or mid afternoon yeah
1: Uh, you know you, you laugh but i remember when i did my uh when i did the the uh the uh the EMS uh, webinar thing that I did where we had on speakers all day long all broadcast, you know online And I remember looking at the stats and there were people from actually from Iceland that had looked in on the on the videos and stuff Which I thought was pretty cool what they were watching it live and we were you know doing a lot with the speakers and also um, Just good to know people from all over kind of tune in here and there um so, guys, I, I, I don't know if you guys had a chance to
0: look at the links that I had sent you. Uh, not the links, um, but, but I'm, a, I'm a little up on the topic, a little bit. Uh, okay, yeah, I, I guess it's,
1: you know, it's not uh, – I can post it in the the, the notes here. Just give me a sec. Let me just post it in your in your notes so that you guys can maybe um, take a quick peeky-poo, you know.
2: For everybody there, Dave is our resident expert in everything. So, oh, please. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, <please. laughs> that he's already familiar with the topic that we're, that, I that, you know, Jim just saw in Cut and Paste.
1: Well, right.
0: Ketamine's not news. I mean, you know, not brand new, but it's a lot no. of people don't know about it. But it, yeah. Yeah.
1: So That's, just, well, really, transgender
0: gonna... stuff's not brand new either. So <laughs> Right. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, what I'm trying to to um, uh, get here, I'm not sure if you guys are getting that link or not. Uh, yeah, I'm getting it, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I'm a little bit familiar with. I've read up uh, a
2: little bit about this. Obviously, it it made the news.
1: Yeah. And I, I, what well, I wanted to talk about. Out. Yeah. Well, what, what what I'm trying to get at with these this topic, and this is actually another one if we have some time to kind of cover as well a surprise topic oh. a surprise but th- this one here we were talking about the the paramedics that were charged in the death of a, I guess it was a uh, guy who's under arrest uh, they're being charged criminally for him dying and I'm wondering and I've seen some comments on this and on Facebook and stuff like that that People get concerned that charging paramedics for something like this in a criminal way might have providers hesitating uh, treating patients unless it is a thousand percent, you know, black and white, what they're going to do or there's no risk in that medication, um, you know, for a patient, you know, ketamine, you know, there's risk with that and um, you know, they—they—it seems like they—they they were trying to treat this person for um, excited uh, delirium. Excited delirium, right? Couldn't do much a thing. So they were trying to the treat him for that. Is what they were what they were doing? But I guess that wasn't really what he was having going on. You know, well, they, it was a
2: really problematic. You know, there's there's there's. Two ends that I want to address right off. It's it's really problematic because the papers take this and you know it's it's not a common situation for EMS to be involved in you know this sort of over policing ideology that's coming out. But the uh, the other side is is that there are critical facts that we don't know that the papers sure. don't know and that we won't know until it it hits the court and even if it hits the court we may never know so there are aspects of you weren't there you know so shut up and then there are the aspects of you know what would the 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 parts that were out in the paper were very it felt very one sided i mean from what i read in the paper as a paramedic i'm looking and saying it, you know, they got they had me at the at the line that the patient was subdued and in the custody and control of the police at that point in time. Great, you know, I, I don't see a need for me to uh, 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 start pharmacological intervention. I mean, uh, that's you know, uh, unless and that's as as as. Uh, you know, black and white as I can make that that argument. And there are a million shades of gray not to pull you know uh, TV into this, but there's a million shades of different ends of that black and white spectrum. But the bottom line of yet yeah, go, no go, you know, give him a shot is well, is he under control and is he a danger to himself or others? And the guy is like he was described as a very slight uh, man, you know, a couple uh, hundred pounds, a hundred and you know twenty pounds, and uh, you know in control of cops. And and I hate to sort of you know push my uh, my fellow uh, EMS workers under under the bus there, but I'm not sure what other. Part is to be discussed
0: after that. I think the part that needs to be discussed is is not the, the details of this particular case, but whether or not we should legislate medical care. Yeah. I think it's always a mistake to legislate medical care. I can think of many instances where it's been a problem. I think if if medical care was misused, then that should be addressed on a case-by-case basis. Right. If, if, they, if they did something
1: knowingly wrong, they did it, you know, uh, out of malice, you know, that's a different story. Right,
2: right. And, you know, this, there, there is a... no, template. I oh, no, I'm sorry, Dave. I mean I, I mean, I understand where you're coming from in terms of this is a medical situation and it needs to be handled through the proper medical channels as if any, you know, medical mishap uh, would would have been.
0: You know, um, there, there are so many points here. We, we tend to work with police often. We work side by side with police, but the thing to remember is we don't work for the police. Our guidelines are different than the police. Our mission is different than police. Uh, As you pointed out, you felt that maybe the guy was already under control and and maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. If he was, if he was handcuffed and therefore not a threat to others, but struggling violently, he remains a threat to himself. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, the whole point of of dealing with uh, sedation for agitated folks, there is the safety to others. There is the safety to ourselves and the safety to the patient. Um, I have seen uh peace patients who were violently struggling who were handcuffed when we received them and handcuffed right. during transport with police transport and the consequence of not sedating them was they got rhabdomyelosis their kidneys shut down um you can die from that i mean that's that's not unique the whole point is is not to wait until they wear themselves out they can have anoxic events uh that they create for themselves we've seen that um so there are there are many good reasons to sedate people. There are a a smorgasbord of pharmacological agents we can use to help sedate people. I you know I went back I I pulled up some great articles that that originally said you know let's look at haloperidol. Um, you know I have a friend who says he uses haloperidol by the fifty five gallon drum. He says he loves haloperidol how it works. I you know I've my seen New York.
1: Upstate New York uses it and you know well, they my were exp- using it. Yeah,
0: my experience with how Hal- with haloperidol is that it doesn't work fast enough for my satisfaction mm. and for the patient's satisfaction because they continue to struggle um you know uh, midazolam I, I i kind of you know but my partiality is irrelevant there are tools that we should be allowed to use and when we prove ourselves un, if we do prove ourselves unable to use those tools appropriately and consistently on a profession-wide basis, then perhaps they need to be taken away, even if it's just locally. You know, if you have a place where they they have endotracheal intubation, but they've had way so many undetected esophageal intubations, and you want to say to them, listen, endotracheal intubation is gone for you guys. We're going to use King tubes. We're going to use LMAs. And that's the way it is because... We've tried to get you guys on, you know, when I say guys, I'm talking men and women. We've tried to get you guys on board with with the right stuff to do. It doesn't seem to be something we can fix, either by the nature of our demographics, uh, the nature of a training, uh, resistance to training, or maybe just geographically. It just doesn't work here. So mm-hmm. we're going to use these other tools, and, and that you can apply that to ketamine. Um, but ketamine is, is useful in a lot of places, and... You know, my thought is it shouldn't be legislated. Um, there was a, a study in New York State about sepsis. It's called the New York State Sepsis Study. And unfortunately, New York State responded to that by telling, by legislating the assessment of, of sepsis using the SERS criteria. SERS criteria has moved to be obsolete. There are, there are aspects of SERS, the systemic inflammatory response, that we can't really use on the ambulance, certainly back when they first legislated it, of the four things they looked at, two of them weren't relevant to the ambulance. We still aren't get. You guys getting white blood cell counts on your on your patients?
1: Uh, only if I have my my uh, home test with me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I have, <laughs> when I have my tricorder, I get yeah. everything.
1: But, <laughs> right, right. Well, anyway. yeah. I mean, but you're in Long Island.
2: You can afford that good. Well, you
0: know, well, good we, we, we have so, one on you know, order. They're backordered now because in, of the pandemic
2: in New York city, we use the divining rod. So it, it <laughs> has about the same level as finding water.
0: So, you know, white, white blood cells. You know? The consequence is, is that they've legislated this assessment, which has become the mantra in New York state. And so everywhere I go, they're in the hospitals, they're looking at SARS in our, in our, in the New York state protocols, they're looking at SARS. But in 2016, uh, critical care doc said, you know, SARS. Gave you too many false positives, too many false negatives. You could flip a coin and get the same results. And maybe we should be using QSOFA, which is what they recommend. And, you know, I think that's where we should be. But they didn't change the legislation. And I, I would bet some of you, Josh, uh, might be around. No, no you, you know, you were a latecomer in the game, right? You didn't, yeah. you didn't, you didn't do this when you were 12 years old. I, I remember when they legislate, they, they put in the protocols how to do CPR. And I remember back in the uh, 70s and the early 80s, we had like CPR changing every two, three months. You know, we would we were doing uh, 60 compressions a minute. We were doing five to one, 15 to one. We were giving four stacks. So when did breaths. you give up the barrel?
2: You know, uh, the barrel roll? Yes, you the, the body you're right. Well, well,
0: yeah. We gave up the barrel when we found that putting them on horses and having the horses run around with them, um, with, that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyway, I think legislating medicine is a huge mistake. That's, that's what I think. I think medicine should, uh, should present its guidelines and, and, and that's what I think. Um, do you now, think that,
1: do you think that, that these guys, you know, the charges being brought is more of a, of a thing because of, of the Black Lives Matter stuff? and then trying to get as many people to blame as they possibly can you know that they, they you really ought to talk about the the uh, bull, uh bullies with badges type thing so they want to try to you know get as many people um charged with this person's death as possible um you know to, to have some some sort of you know uh, accountability for it but I think, you know, like you said, the, the charging these guys with a criminal act when we don't know the whole story, like Josh said, even the signs and symptoms of the guy, like you were saying, Dave, right? Maybe, you know, he was still struggling, even though he was, he was restrained.
0: maybe What were
1: his vital signs? What was his, what was, you know, what was his skin temper, All this type of stuff that you don't know you know, and then what are the protocols for in that, in that area? What you know, what are the protocols, how much ketamine can they give, you know, for, for patients? Is it medical control? Is it standing or, you know, all this type of stuff that you don't really know, uh, you know, that that went on and, and what drove the medics decision process. And now how is that going forward with other people? How is that going to end up, you know, uh, EMS care. If you start seeing this happening more and more and more, where they're using, you know, trying to find somebody to blame for uh, an error that might go on, you know, in EMS, you know, you're gonna have people who are gonna be like, you know what? I'll just put them on the stretcher and I'll get them to the hospital in one piece, and then I don't have to worry about. And, and
0: that's not good medicine either. Yeah. That's not good. No, it's not. Either. That's the problem. Now, but but the other thing is that we we have to look at. Listen, we, we are not. Our country is not without social problems, okay and yeah. and so you might want to say to yourself, have we equally applied the guidelines of uh, agitated delirium, our our interpretation of that which is which is um, to some degree being said, listen, it's being applied to black men way uh-huh. disproportionately than to other um, ethnicities All right If that is the case. If if it's being applied disproportionately, if we are if we are biased in our assessment, that needs to be addressed. And, and maybe there's truth to it. Maybe there's not. I don't have all the stats on that. But if if they if they have gathered the data on the application of ketamine in the field, and they do a racial analysis, and they do a uh, they do a geographic analysis, and they take a look at age, and they take a look at gender, and they find that like in other places, and I don't, I don't need to name the places, where, where people are being pulled over, you know, you hear it all the time. The problem is I was driving while black. They get right. pulled over for no reason, you know, with the idea that maybe they'll find something in the car or they'll find something wrong. Um, maybe there are social, and I'm not saying there aren't, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm pretty sure there are social injustices in this country. Um, that are being inappropriately applied and that we need to go back and apply them correctly. Um, But all of medicine, all patients should not suffer from, from the fact that these guys might've messed up. And if they didn't mess up, I don't need to apologize to them. Then our system messed up in charging them. But if they did mess up, if they, if now, when I only read the articles, I don't have everything. I, I, you know, I, I have the, um, I have journal articles on on ketamine and it's used with agitated delirium. And, and but, you know, they they said they administered a dose, which was appropriate for a 200 pound person who only weighed 143 pounds. I got to tell you something. That's a pretty dramatic error. Now, we, we don't have a brass lout tape for for that. We we probably, uh, you know, uh, you can probably tell me we have it on Long Island. We don't. The uh not all of the ambulances when you put the patient on comes up and says, Ah, you zeroed it out and this patient weighs 143.7 pounds. We don't, you don't have, have that.
2: that on your stretchers? Some of the stretchers Really? I'm surprised that it didn't make it out. Some there of yet. the
0: stretchers, not all of them. Oh wait, that's the hospital bed. Never mind. Yeah. So they they but we, we deserve it too. Our patients deserve it too. If it we would can get be it, a, if we it can would be affordable. A- a- yeah, yeah it be wonderful. it'd be a great but, thing. I, I, I fear in some respects
2: that that we're going to cycle back to one of the old uh, uh, standards that we go of how much of a broken um, system we have. Because I was thinking, you know, when we got updated to and, and we talk about that, I mean, there are aspects. Listen, you know, for us to comment on law enforcement is only like a third party comment. We work with law enforcement. We're out there in the field. We depend on law enforcement. There's a lot of aspects where we we meld very well with law enforcement. But has law enforcement have some issues with their own training and the biases that are in embedded in their training? Absolutely, betcha. You know, are you think uh, you think EMS has biases? Absolutely, but you know it's. I, I don't. I, I was laughing because I was thinking of the ketamine part. When we integrated ketamine into our protocols in New York, I was thinking, I wanted to make a comment, Dave, of how many hours did you spend in the classroom with that update? You know, talking about excited delirium and where uh, a patient, you know, the the, the counter indi- indications of ketamine and, you know, when to give it, when not, when to, you know what are appropriate doses because you know i I must have spent a good you know 16 hours two days doing that or is that you know fantasy yeah,
0: yeah. well so I, I, listen,
1: I, I I think it's you know I, I think we brought a few highlights to it like you said we don't know all the details and we're going by one or two articles that we've 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 looked at um I just wanted to kind of just kind of touch on it a little bit because I wanted to you know just kind of get your guys' take on, like you said, they legislating the, the the care like that and, and and not addressing what could be a medication error versus you know something that was criminal where they were doing something you know trying to do harm to to somebody. You know and there should be consequences uh, you know on a uh, medication error that caused someone to die of course but I don't know about a criminal charge you know for them um, but with that said, I wanted to uh, kind of segue into the the other topic I wanted to talk about um especially we we're talking towards the end of this conversation about uh, bias and and treating people and um, there was this article. That was an EMS one. I put a link uh, in the notes here. If you guys saw that or not, about um, transgender patients and 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 treating them and all. And ooh, I just found it interesting with that <clears throat> that article because for me and other people that commented in the in the in the comments of the on that article, especially on I think it was Facebook, where they were like, it doesn't matter, right? If the what the patient is, your treatment for 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 most patients are gonna be is gonna be the same, whether they're male, female, or, or otherwise, right? You're not changing anything for a heart attack. You know, person having an MI, based on whether they're transgender or not, you know. Um, and I feel like that that uh, I don't know. To me, I felt the article was just you know self serving and and. You know, putting something that was popular in the in the, the mainstream, you know, to kind of get views to their website, you know, and I just, you know, I kind of got into it with the person that wrote the article a little bit. You, but, Jim, no. But I just, you know, it, and it, and you know, it, it's just this whole mentality of I'll tell you a story years ago. Um, I can't remember the name of this place. It was a famous sort of club. Hang out in um, in the village, um, and we got called there for a, uh, a difficulty breathing patient by the BLS crew. And we get there, and it was a it was a a, a person who was transitioning from uh, a man to a woman, and they had uh, breast implants done, and one of the sutures that were there had popped, and had like a little hole, and they were freaking out. So, they were actually having a, they were hyperventilating more than anything else, right? And all their friends are in the back of the, back of the truck trying to, you know, console her and, and do all this stuff. And for me, I felt that it was difficult to, because they give you the, the person's driver's license and it says, you know, John Doe instead of Jane Doe. And you look like the person, they look like a Jane, right? And you're like, okay, so how how do you address the person when nobody's telling you the information, right? You're looking at the person, you know by their appearance that, okay, this looks like it's a man transitioning to a woman. You don't want to offend them, you want to call them, by whatever it is they want to be called by, a name or or whatever. And nobody's kind of giving you the information as the, the provider on scene on how to address somebody. So you're kind of guessing what to say and what to do, you know, without trying to insult somebody or or or, or you know, being incorrect in your what you're what you're saying, you know. Um and I just I felt in that situation it was hard for me to to what am I documenting, you know, male or female, what am I what am I writing in my comments? male or female, you know what I mean? Um, And it was a challenge to me for that. Uh, Nowadays, people are more forthcoming when you interact with them, and they'll tell you, you know, what they want to be addressed by and, and, and whatnot. So it's a little easier now. But I'm just wondering, really, how much does this affect what we're doing for patients? You know? No matter what what gender they are, or how they identify, or what where they are, if they are transitioning or whatever, you know, how is it affecting what how we're treating them? Is there any change other than what we're calling them or what we're you know what we're saying to them? You know.
0: So I think there's something to it. I don't think there is, and well, I don't want to quantify it. you know, I ask people when when the last the first day of their last menstrual period was. That's always important, you know, for people who get their period from like eight to sixty years old. I'm asking that question because it's relevant. Um, if they're getting hormone therapy as a person transitions, I think that's relevant. I don't know all the consequences of it, but I know that there are consequences of it. You know, um, so I I think that there are some things we presume that are, are gender based, just like there are trends within ethnicity uh, that might be relevant. By the way, I, I wish the uh, the forms that we had were better than male, female. I mean, well, they haven't been changed that, in 40 that, years. Right. You know, if, if, if you're a if you're a trans man, there should be trans man. That should be easy enough. And even tra- even for trans man, or trans female, trans male, trans female, there are there are gradations along the way, you know, to complete and partial um, transgender uh, transitions. So or, or uh, the, I'm sorry, Dave. I'm just thinking that, you know, there needs to be some statistical look. You don't know if you have a problem if you don't measure the problem.
2: Right. Uh, that, so I, I, I believe I,
0: there's something to that.
2: We're looking at sort of two distinct issues here is one is patient interaction how do how do, how do you how do you interact with your patient how do you put them or try or you know have the tools to put them at ease so you have a better rapport and you know we all know a good rapport helps the medicine um, and then there's the other aspect of the medicine and I think that I, and I was gonna say and I'm glad that you said it Dave is that you know, the there is sophisticated medicine in in these in in the more advanced um, cases of people transitioning to another sex. There's hormonal therapy. There's surgeries. There's psychological. I mean, there is just the gambit, and it and it creates a very complicated thing. Now throw into that the New York, uh, and I'm sure. Other cities have a famous club scene, but, you know, that's where I cut my teeth. That's where I started as a paramedic. Um, and, uh, you know, the 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 drugs that we would, uh, GHB and ecstasy and all of these others, on top of that, create something that we have to have in our toolkit when we're going into that environment. But I think the thing, the important thing to take away when you're dealing with, with these, the, the sort of the the I wanted to say the new normal um, in EMS, and it is it's it's because but it's not new. There's nothing new about it. This has been going on for many years. Is that the how do we differentiate with those patients? And I and I sort of have always used the 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 playbook of. If you're presenting to me as a male or a female, or you're trying to present a different, you know, different than what you are, my rapport with you is going to be based on how, the effort, what you're putting, not the effort, but what you're putting forward to me. Are you dressing as a female? Then I'm going to address you as a female, unless you tell me otherwise. And if I'm if I'm confused and the patient's alert enough and
1: everything else, I'll ask them. What do you, What do you want? How do you want me to what interact
2: I, with you? What I find
1: that what I have found the problem is is that I'm I'm gonna you know be honest. It, it's like I feel as if sometimes when someone is trans just transitioning or whatever, they they almost don't want to tell you where they're at, meaning. Let's say they're going from, a, 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 you know, they're a woman, they're going to a man. They still have the, a uterus, you know what I mean? And you, you, you need to ask them if they're having an issue with abdominal pain or something along those lines when their last, you know, menstrual uh, you yes. know, cycle was. You need to find out, is there a chance that they could be pregnant, things like this, you know. And it's almost like they don't want to – answer those types of questions or they don't want to uh, uh, be very forthcoming with that. They want to sit there and they want to they want to identify as the man they're going through transition as a man and they don't want to um, you know address the fact that what could be happening to them is female in nature right? Well, you're not, well, you, you, unless you are, and, and what I end up having, to, what I've ended up having to do is, is like Josh said, you know, I try to address them as how they want to be addressed and I treat them how they want to, you know, because of how they're presenting to me. But if their medical issue is something that is, uh, uh, you know, would be a gender related type issue, then I end up kind of dancing around the topic to get them to be forthcoming with the problem, what's going on. And then if they're not, they're looking at me like, you know, what are you talking about? I'm a man and you're really not a full, you know, fully transitioned. Then I end up saying, yeah, being blunt with them and asking the blunt questions because then time becomes of the essence and what I'm going to do or not do for them is going to be based upon, you know, what the information they're giving me is. It's just that the patients you get that you, you, know, you get in, in, in the house, you're asking 20 questions to them and they don't want to tell you that they have HIV and then you get to the hospital and that they tell the, the nurse, I have HIV.
0: You know, they have a right to do that. I, I think we have an obligation to clarify things as, as best we can. And I think until we get a lot of practice with it, you know, I, I make my students, every student, in the class, especially the guys, um, the, especially 17, 18 year old guys, you know, how many people they've asked about their let the first day of their last menstrual period, they can't even get those words out of their mouth half the <laughs> hour. So I make them, I make them do it. And until we, until, you know, how many times did you put on a traction splint in your EMT class? I put it on like 30 times. I'm just good at it. How many times did you ask women about their menstrual period? Um, this many times, For those of you who can't see, I put up the zero, uh, no, we didn't do it. And until we get good at it, until we teach people to do it, we need to do our own research because we, we can't get updated on everything. I think, I th- I think that um, the article actually offers a really great line. May I ask some clarifying questions so I don't miss anything medically necessary for your care? I think that is a, a beautiful, a beautiful line. A beautiful line. I love it. I put that with the questions that I ask people when I want to know if they've been abused. I ask them once and only once. When I see people with injuries like yours, sometimes it's because people have hurt them. Did anybody hurt you? That's an easy thing for me. I've rehearsed it. I didn't even make it up. I I got it from a physician who specialized in domestic violence. And I make my students learn that line and I make them use it because the first time you ask, shouldn't be the first time. We should have done it in training. And the other thing is, how important is gender? I'm going to tell you. Every report you've ever given, every doctor has ever given, it is the second piece of information.
1: Right. When, you,
0: when you're calling the hospital, I'm en route to the hospital with a 56-year-old or an adult male, a 56-year-old male, uh, a 72-year-old female, a, a pediatric female. It's the second piece of information we are taught to give, and we give it without question whether or not it's relevant. It's interesting; we never questioned its relevance before, um, and that we're questioning. Well, isn't it- that
2: part of the unstated flowchart that we have? I mean, you know, it. I, I never turned a page in an EMS guideline in an EMS guideline in the EMS uh, book or textbook that had the flowchart of you know you start out on the scene. You're on the scene, okay? Uh, BSI, yeah, uh, we. Discuss that in all our classes, but it's not on that flow chart. You're looking at, and the first thing that comes to mind is uh, the age or the development of, and then gender, and, you know, split down. And And then this aspect, male, female, is there a break in that tree? No, it gets complicated at that point because there are some things you have to do for everybody and some things that are specialized to the sex.
1: You know? But when it comes to when it comes to what we're doing for the patient, right? There's nothing we're gonna do for them if they're transgender. That's different, right? If they are a male or a female,
0: unless S- unless unless they're pregnant, then medication. They're is a female. Issue. Then they're yes, a female. But my decision on medications to use some medications are not good for pregnant women or for pregnant. Transgender right. males, because that has happened too. That has happened too. That women transing transing to male have become pregnant, and therefore, if I'm going to give them medazolam, if there's I'm still gonna a give woman
1: though, you got to treat them like you're treating them like a female. I'm, tre- I'm
0: treating the fetus, and I need to know if there's a fetus. Right, right. So,
2: so there so are I, there are important important. I don't
0: think it's an everyday event. I think what we need to do is make this smooth and easy. If we always do the right thing, if we always ask them, what gender are you identifying with? You know, or, or that, that great quote that I had before, which was, may I ask you some clarifying questions? Because as soon as they say they're a man, I, I identify with man. The question to say is, are you a trans? You know, are you, is it a transgender man? Because it becomes relevant. I think it becomes yes. automatic.
2: And one of the things that you just sort of alluded to before, Dave, is that we don't get all the information. That sometimes happens where we'll roll into the ED yep. and they say, Yep, I'm HIV positive to the nurse, where they wouldn't tell you right. anything.
0: Our medical history you know, is awfully deficient sometimes. If, you know,
2: our job is to apply first round medications and first round medicine in the field as early as we possibly can to help. You know, in an emergency situation, can we always do it? No, no, we can't. Sometimes we're reduced down to, you know, the only medicine of choice is diesel, and we get them get them to the emergency room. Um, well, but they, we the, have the only to, thing that I would say,
1: say that is like Dave said, you know, the male or female thing is one of the first pieces of information that we relate to, the uh, in our report, whether it's verbal or written, it's one of the first pieces of information we try to to gather. And if we're getting stuck, because people will get stuck on that, right? They will sit there right. and try to figure out what somebody is. Meanwhile, there's something else going on that now you're so caught up in trying to not hurt somebody's feelings and to, and to, you know, to address them a certain way that you're not treating the medical problem that's going on with them. And whether they're transitioning from, you know, a man to woman, woman to man, if it's a, a woman that's becoming a man and she's pregnant. I'm sorry, you're gonna be treated as a female who's pregnant.
0: There's no special well, we, we don't have to, we don't have to say somebody. that we can yeah, simply I say we're, we're gonna treat you appropriately. I'm gonna take I'm gonna do the best I can to take care of you. Uh can, can a trans okay, male have then, an ovarian. What are
1: you gonna write in your paperwork?
0: Well, there you go. 22-year-old uh, pregnant our male. Paper, our paperwork is deficient. The paper should not define. Again, like legislation should not define, a form shouldn't define good medical care. If the form needs to be fixed, it needs to be fixed. I am saying, I'm stating for the record right now, everybody, the forms need to be fixed.
2: But there's an aspect in the form where we have a free flow of narrative. Uh, 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 a narrative. Right. And and the narrative, and and in in the narrative is where we put that. If it's important enough, we transport we we trans we give it verbally to the nurse in, or the doctor in the ED. The narrative I is, think we're sort of addressing another thing that happens very often in EMS, which is tunnel vision or getting stuck on a particular idea or subject. We really need to sort of keep that. You said no? No. He he did say yes. Oh,
0: Oh, okay. So. so, (laughs) Go ahead, Dave. I think putting it in the narrative is a stopgap measure until we get it in the data field. Because you can't measure. We don't measure narrative well. We don't. You know, if you put all of your assessment in the narrative, which is very nice, you can't really do a good assessment. How did they do on abdominal complaints? Well, if we have a field that's abdominal complaints, we can, we can pull that up real quick.
2: Let me, let me go way basic. That has been there for a hundred years. I'm sure it's been there since you started EMS, Dave. A hundred years it's ago. It's a yeah, checkbox of ethnic, ethnic, ethnicity, ethnicity, uh, ethnicity, um, right. you know, white, black, Hispanic, you know, whatever. Now, I am pretty sure that all of you guys check those boxes, right? All the time
0: on Um, your paperwork. I do now. Just to let you know. know, And that's, that's, that's,
2: I love that. Hold it. But that's exactly where I was going to. Because there was a point when I didn't, because I thought, well, this is insulting. There shouldn't be any difference. And we shouldn't be, be studying the differences or understanding everything. And I actually had... Uh, uh, minority partners who felt the same way and and refused to check that, and I, in a, in a form of solidarity, did that until I met a doctor who was doing research and pointed it out to me and said, "What the hell?" He said, "This is critical for me," and I'm like, "Because it it there are a lot of things that we don't know that goes on in the research behind our paperwork and our job." should be to fill out that paperwork as best they can so they can collect the data as best they can. But we have things like that 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 translate from biases in the field that we don't want to incorporate into our lives and it, we're actually
0: doing it in the wrong reason. Hey, and Josh, the only way we can show that we are unbiased is by showing it. For example, wouldn't you be horrified to find out that Jewish men... Were being treated, were when they presented with kidney stones, were being ignored for their pain.
2: That would be, yeah, it would be as White bad men. as any yeah. other. Yes. it would really be. Yeah, any time I, I, I find I chose those, that
0: because I don't see that right. as a, as a, as a likelihood. But right. do you think? Do you think that if we looked at some of the minorities in this country who may or not even be minorities now, the non-white populations, do you think that they're getting? Do you think that they're getting treated for their pain? similar to a uh, well a I know they're year not. Old. listen what?
2: there's a there was a famous study uh,
0: yes. a years ago yeah and if you don't not. measure it if you don't measure it you don't know what you do you can't prove you're unbiased until until the data shows you're unbiased listen
2: and I, then, did, I did my rotations in a in a Catholic uh, in a strict Catholic uh, hospital run by nuns <laughs> I know I know and the oh. problem was the slaps with the ruler on the knuckles because oh, you had okay. to write fast enough in your penmanship but besides that on every when I was doing my rotations on every floor in the nurse's station was a was a laminated 8 by10 piece of paper that basically said your patient has a right to pain to pain medicine. You know, withholding pain medicine does not help the healing process. And, and it went down that line. And, and it was the fifth vital sign is your indication of pain. All of this stuff. Where would you find in a modern hospital that people would have to be reminded
0: to treat other people's pain? And how about pediatric treatment of pain? That's a big topic. We don't treat, we don't treat that well at all. Also in the ER, they don't treat it well at all the statistics show that and there's there's an effort to correct that but I, I, again if we don't measure it if we don't measure gender if we don't measure ethnicity if we don't measure age if we don't measure all the things that we've been talking about we don't know if we're doing a good job we don't know if there's inherent bias and and then there are there are gender based ethnicity based um conditions that need to be considered. You know, does it matter if somebody's Asian? Well, it does uh, for Brugada syndrome. Does it matter if somebody's Jewish? Yeah, it does for Tay-Sachs. Does it matter on skin color? Well, it, it does for um, sickle cell. Uh, so these things matter. There are trends. It, it, it matters for diabetes. It matters for hypertension. It, it, it matters for nutrition. There are, you know, we know that there are, there are, are it, deserts it, are it, vegetable? It, David, deserts. it
1: matters, but the, what I'm—that's
0: why we have a discussion. You know, How we about have to, it? We are, you it's not, not it about, to not about it.
1: It's not about it mattering. It, it. I feel like, like the treat the, the treatment for those patients is going to matter, right? Because of the, the different the their, their ethnicity or, uh, uh, you know, a certain that they have in their in their their culture or whatever. But when you're talking about something that when you talk about transgender, right? What is mattering? What's going to be the difference one way or the other?
0: In cardiac arrest, nothing. In the treatment of pain for a person who might be carrying a fetus, something. Right. But it's but this, at that point, you're
1: asking that the person's obviously going to be pregnant, right? Or you're going to ask them. Not are, obviously. Are, you, are you pregnant?
0: When they say they're pregnant, you're not treating they, them as a male. I understand. But if, if you right? ask them not so matter or if, you if, think if, they're if, a if, male. What,
1: makes, what, what would matter more for that person would, would be more of things like you said. Their skin color or, or their race would, be, would, would take more of, 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 an, of uh, uh, an important line than
0: them transitioning somewhere. They, in the literature, they even talk about having an organ inventory if you you know if you want to go down and, and say, you know how yes, I've seen that too, right uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. so but the, I mean, but the thing is is
1: that it, you know when you're asking when you're interviewing the patient and 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 I mean for me it's like, okay, well, you know can you be pregnant? Are you pregnant? you know um, that's an important question, right?
0: But you don't want to answer you you're gonna ask, ask
1: that question because you're thinking the person might have some side of a female
0: medical problem going on. But what if you don't have that suspicion because they look manly and right. they are pregnant? Well, that's the, well, this is when it comes, this is on the patient's
1: you know, side, you want to to say to owe patient up, just like important. the HIV thing.
2: It's up to that to owe up to the Look, fact that- You know, okay. wait a second. So Dave, uh, Dave and Jim, we're, we're sort of, we're, we're getting a little bit into that narrow focus, a little bit into the tunnel vision. Uh, and I need to pull us back because I'm going to say there are certain things that we may not, and we should be used to this in the, as EMS providers, that with certain information we may not get or get accurately when we're in the field, and we have to use our best judgment and, and for judgment, 90 best judgment
1: and, and our Much, assessment and stuff like that. But 90. if the patient's not going to not going to assist us in in the, in the in the in the assessment process, if they're conscious and alert, and they're not going to volunteer, they have abdominal pain, let's say, and you think they're a man, you're treating them like a man, and they never come out and say to you that, "Well, I'm transitioning." I still have a uterus, you know. I just want to let you know. Maybe is something that might is, is that a problem, or that could be something that's going on. Well, if but you're that assuming it's be, old man, you so, know, related, it's like what, you know, it's like shame on them for not telling you what 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 the hell's going on. What's your uh, forget about
2: shame on them? What's your what is your treatment for <laughs> abdominal pain in EMS? You, you know but what? You, you know, I mean, how how often do you give pain management for abdominal pain in EMS?
0: We do. I, I do. Yeah, I do. You do. I give but... fentanyl for abdominal pain. Done deal. That's in my protocol. Done deal. You know why? Because I have a right to pain management. Right. Yeah. All right. I, I heard somebody say that just before. Um, yeah. As far as the relevance of information, we ask patients on a regular basis, Do you have any metal in your body? It's not going to change one bit of my treatment, but it will in the hospital. We get pre hospital irrelevant information from our patients as much as we can. So, when if they lose consciousness, it's there we already. Have as
2: much to go on as we possibly can. So, we, we uh, get I what don't...
0: we can. You know right, the, exactly, and, that's and, and mastectomies influence influence blood pressure acquisition, IV access. Um It's like if they have a
1: the, uh, they have a, a you know uh, breast yeah. cancer, right? Mast- and breast. Mas-
0: I said mastectomy because I wanted right. it to be generic. You know, there are women getting mastectomies as they trans to men.
1: Right, right. So this is what I'm so, saying that 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 amass- matters
0: where I start my IV
1: unless it's unless it's obvious to us as providers that yeah. they are that they are that they're still transitioning. Like Josh said, you. you think they're presenting as a man, they look like a man, you don't think for a second that at any point they were a woman. If they don't come out and tell you I had asectomy and you know, you know what I'm saying that you're gonna be treating the patient like a man and you're gonna get Yarr. weird blood pressures or, or whatever.
0: And then so how many women, how many women have you gone to assess and you put the BP cuff on their arm and they say, oh no, no, you shouldn't take right. it on that arm. Now, some right. of them don't tell you that. And then as yes. you go through your history, you found that you did. Now, I'm not saying we, we haven't killed people for doing that. How many times have you gone to start an IV on somebody? You get the IV and then you find that they had a mastectomy in that arm. Right. So you, should they be forthcoming? Yes, but there's no, there is no test that you have to take to become a patient. You are a patient. If you fog a mirror or don't fog a mirror, you are a patient. There's no standard for, you know, oh, I'm a good patient. Some of them are great. They give you the history. You show up. I ask every patient because it's one of my choice things. Hey, listen, I need to take a blood pressure. Is it okay if I take it on this arm? That gives them an opportunity to be more forthcoming. Yes. Yeah. And I think yes. like you
1: mentioned before, Dave, having one or two questions to ask people whether even if you even if you don't suspect, unless they're some ninety-year-old woman that you know they're pregnant. Yeah, but the, the, you know to ask certain questions as f- to, to give them the opportunity to be forthcoming, if they are transitioning or they they already they already have transitioned, and to, you know some type of questioning that you can say that wouldn't necessarily offend them but would elicit the response you need or give them, like you said, the opportunity to say I have transitioned and I still have a uterus or I still have a penis or whatever that, you know, you know, what it is that you're dealing with, what you should be looking for, what you should be not looking for, um, what you can expect on certain treatments and, and, and and interventions and things like that. Or even like you said, Dave and, and the, the occurrence where you have somebody who's transitioned to a man and, and they're pregnant right so you know what it is that that you can do you know for the patient
0: i don't think this is easy and i think this complicated... listen there's nothing we add to our culture that makes things easier in medicine i i can't think of anything that has made it easier as we've gone along from when i started in the 70s to now it's it's only gotten more and more complicated um and and as that happens we have to get better and better we have if we always do what we've always done and things change around us, we've made a mistake. Right. I think we need to consider whether, whether or not the things warrant a change. And if you've never considered it, at least listening to what we said today and my listening to you guys uh, makes, makes me better. So that number one, I'm not surprised. Number two, if I find I need to come up with something, uh, we've, we've said it, we've had great stuff. And I think from the psychological point of view, Jim, which you started out with, I think early on, a person likes to be referred to in the gender they want a person who's trans, who's transgendering wants, it, it's not casual. Listen, I'm a guy. I'm a guy. Been that way forever, right. it's easy for me. But you know what? It wouldn't be easy for me if I had been a woman for the last 60 years and now I'm now I am finally, if I've made the decision after 60 years, 40 years, 30 years to, to go across, it's an important issue to me. Let me add to,
2: to that, Dave, is the, the flip side of that conversation is you're a guy. You've always been a guy. You're used to it. You're, you're a husband, dad, and grandpa, right? All that good stuff guy. I get you into my ambulance and I start to refer to you as ma'am or miss. How's that going to make you feel in in the in the during during transport that you're in good care, good hands?
0: It's the presumption that is the issue. Right. If we don't ask, we don't know. So we should ask somewhere along the way. And I believe it's early on. We should ask, how do you want to be? You know, what gender do you identify with? Let's start with that. That's a great question. Let me fl- and, be- and let me add another Listen, little. You guys got beards. Would you be offended if I asked you that question? What gender do you identify with?
1: No, I would. Depends know. upon the day because some days <laughs> I get. But you know Did the you funny thing, thing is, already. Have, you ever had the, have
0: you ever had
2: the ambulance call where you got the little old man in the back and he had somewhat of a beard, had somewhat of a mustache? The, the little and old little woman old in the back who had
0: the beard yes. and the mustache. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So the, the question is. What I'm do like, we do how about did you that? say? Doesn't anybody give you a razor in that place? My mom asked for a razor and tweezers.
1: Tweezers? That's the way to go. I'm but that saying,
0: was to clean
2: up your beautiful baby face. Steve.
0: Not for me. She asked for it for her when she was in the. Uh, when she they didn't the give nursing. it to her? She did. I guess she didn't want to ask them. She asked me. Oh, okay. And you know what? If she didn't want to ask them, that's fine with me. I'll take care of it. It, it, it took me uh, like. I'll be there in 45 minutes and you'll have it
2: there. Yeah. The consummate caregiver.
0: Not really, but, uh, <laughs> I think I'm better with patients than the, uh, the people around me.
1: Oh my God. I've I've been told that about a million times. Come on. You know, if I if Jim
2: came to my house and get, and, uh, call and I called for chest pain, he'd be having me walk out of the building <laughs> holding the oxygen tank
0: and, and the and a life back. <laughs>
1: I call it the Hoffman stress test. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't been documented or in uh, publication yet, but someday.
0: There is a Hoffman apparatus. You familiar with it? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's for uh, separating uh, water into hydrogen and oxygen. But all right.
1: Ah, uh, uh, i like never heard of that.
2: Don't, don't do it on your patients. They'll disappear.
0: No. Yeah. Back to the divining rod we talked about you before. You can look it up afterwards. They, Maybe one of your uh, relatives developed it. I'm thinking of, Hoffman.
1: I, I did I'm, I'm thinking one of my relatives own Hoffman car wash uh franchise in upstate Hoffman New York I'd be happy with that. Yeah.
0: Hoff, Hoffman soda.
1: Well isn't uh, that Hoffman where soda, that was my big thing with my dad growing up? Isn't isn't that he always say, yeah, 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 say he's my age, right? So
2: the yeah, car he, wash gym, isn't that where you hide the extra money from your meth business?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. Oh no, that's breaking okay. bad.
0: So all right. I think I think we have uh I think we're melting down from too much. Yeah. Uh,
1: we'll end the day. I want to do one other thing, but we've been going for an hour, so I'll save it for a little right. time. Um, but uh, yeah. So Tim, I want to
0: thank you for picking these. These were great topics.
1: Yeah. I just wanted to kind of get your guys' feel on it, you know, because I see so much back and forth in the comments and, and, and you know, discussions going on on social media. And, and I feel a lot of times people go on social media and they they make comments and they're not really because they're hiding behind the comments they are not visual and there's not an audio you know component to it that it's hard for people to get some of their thoughts out when they're just writing it in text you know never comes out the way you think it's going to and I think people sometimes when they they comment on social media that they the way it comes off is different than what they wanted it to be you know so I want to just kind of touch base on this type of stuff and, and maybe we'll revisit it in the, uh, in the future. All right, guys, that's it. Um, I'll end it there. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, as always, I am Jim Hoffman. Josh Knapp. Dave Brenner. Stay safe.